Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. So uh, my good bud here, Jonathan Neville, is joining me for a special series of programs where we're going to kind of do what we did with Brett Ashworth and Nathan Smith, where we do like about a 20-minute segment on a particular subject. So this is part of our Tuesday series, and uh, I've been getting great feedback. A lot of people love what I'm doing with this and love the different guests we have. So um, Jonathan, welcome to this little special episode we're doing. Happy to be here. So, uh, folks, you know, Hugh Nibley uh, had said that if you wanted to try to document the historicity of the Book of Mormon, the best place to start is not the New World necessarily, but the Old World. And uh, so that's where, really where two, if you will, bullseyes of the Book of Mormon have been identified. We got the Nahum uh, spot, and then we also have uh, I, a couple pretty compelling places where Bonifold could have occurred. Jonathan just recently came back from the Middle East and is going to share with us his findings on a particular site of Bountiful. So fire away, Jonathan. Okay, well, to start off with, I thought I'd share you a little card that was in our hotel in Dubai. And here's, here's what it says, if you can read that. I won't, I won't try to read it, but- I'll read it. Okay, the, go ahead. The Book of Mormon, Holy Quran, and Holy Bible are available upon request. Please feel free to contact our front desk by dialing zero from your telephone. Of course, it's also in Arabic. Oh, oh you're not going to read the Arabic part? <laughs> I, I'm, I'm still rusty on that. <laughs> well, this this is pretty cool to us because, you know, there's there's thousands of tourists, of course, that go to Dubai and stay in these aloft hotels. But it, it kind of shows the the influence, even though this is a Marriott hotel, obviously, but it shows the influence that the Book of Mormon is getting around the world. And in Dubai, as you know, the church has announced they're going to build a temple there, which will be the first temple in that part of the Middle East. So, so that's a, a big deal. But I wanted to um, share, well, I'll just give a little background. It was about two weeks ago that we left to go to Dubai, and we stayed there for about 10 days. Have some friends of ours are missionaries there, and we went to the World Expo. In fact, the World Expo, I know this is March, and it's over the end of March, but they have 192 countries exhibiting in, at this World Expo, and they gave us a little passport here, and, and each country would have a stamp if you visit the country. So we visited all 192 of the countries while we were there. Oh, wow. <laughs> it was it was great. Everyone had a restaurant, had a culture. We talked to people from the different countries we visited and so on. It was really fun. But while we were there, I thought, well, this is my chance to go down to Salala in Oman, which we did. And that's what I'm going to talk here a little bit about. But I wanted to give a little background first. So I'm going to share a screen here. Oh, it says host disabled participant screen sharing. So let me uh, fix that for you, dude. I'm sorry. I guess we should check that. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. Um, it's all good. Uh, there we go. Oh, just in, in to, as a precursor to this, one of my things is I'd like to visit all the potential sites for the Book of Mormon, starting with Jerusalem, of course. And then so I hadn't been to Salala. So I have a screen here that I'll share just see, for a moment. To give you an idea, the, the red circles are units of the of the LDS Church right now, and a lot of times when we're talking in in Utah or the United States, we don't get a perspective of outside, and these are all places. And I've I've attended church in Cairo, Jerusalem, uh, Mumbai, India, uh, and Dubai now, and and these are all. Um, each one of the the people who live in these areas have different perspectives of the church. And, and its influence on them. 
So the one that I was referring to down in Dubai and United Arab Emirates, if you can see that in the Persian Gulf there, that's where we were. And then Oman is just south of there. I think I have another screen here to show Oman, but um, let me uh, stop the share. So that's just to give you an idea sort of of how uh, the church is organized over there. And then I wanted to share a slide showing specifically these locations for Oman. And that is, uh, let me do it here. Okay, so in this slide, you can see what's called Sumhuram. Sumhuram. That's the location of Salala basically today. And that's, that was an ancient port in, um, in Oman. And you can see this is part of the, uh, the frankincense trade and where the ships used to go anciently. Okay, so we, we don't wanna spend a lot of time looking at slides, right? Mm -hmm. But, it, but I, hopefully that gives you some orientation because I think it's important to see how that, uh, well, let me go back to this, okay. To see how the, the ancient world looked and how it looked today, okay. Now I did want to show you. Let me let me do one more slide share here to show you how the um, how it relates to the Book of Mormon, because this was the uh, if you see that red line going through there, that's basically the route that Lehi took, going south from Jerusalem and then over to this area of Oman, and you can read about that in First Nephi, as as you mentioned already. Okay, so that's a lot of screen sharing. <laughs> I think uh, some people may have be familiar with this controversy about where exactly along the coast of Oman the land bountiful was. And there's a description in First Nephi that there was, um, a, they called the land bountiful because of the fruits and the honey and the things that were there. So let me do another quick slide share. I keep shifting back and forth. Hopefully that's okay. But that's fine. That's fine. Uh, this one shows you the basic uh, alternatives. There's Wadi Saik and Kokorfort, which is a smaller little kind of a narrow valley, small valley. And then Salala, which is a city today. And then Kororori is the one just uh, east of Salala that was an ancient port. And those are the two primary candidates, let's say, for the land bountiful. So actually, when I was down there, there had been a group in Korkorfort who had been doing some, some digging, you know, some archaeological digs. Um, me personally, I, I feel more like Korrori makes more sense. And so that's where we went. And um, I could show you maybe a slide or two of that to, to give you an idea of what it looks like. But uh, let's see. This one I thought was especially interesting. You can see that map, right? Oh yeah, that's very interesting, yeah. Because this shows the trade routes from the frankincense trade. And a lot of people think that Lehi basically followed the frankincense trade route, mm -hmm. both across the desert. And then when they got to this area of Oman and built a ship, you can see that where the archeologists have determined these trade routes were active back in the ancient times with the frankincense trade route. And as I mentioned off the record earlier, this site in Oman, uh, Kororori, wasn't discovered until 1885. 
some Western archaeologists. And since then, archaeologists from Italy and other places have done excavations there, and they've found artifacts or, or traces of all these trade routes. And this is significant to me because the, um, let me fix this here. Well, I think for another... you, in one sense, is that it doesn't just show it going one direction, but it also shows it heading down to Africa, which is significant yeah, exactly. for the Heartlander uh, view. Yeah, uh, right there. Yeah. See that? And it goes down by Madagascar and Comoros, right. which, by the way, I've also visited those places. I've, I've been to the capital of Comoros, which is Moroni. Yep. <laughs> and, and I took pictures of me with the Book of Mormon and all that there. And, and Madagascar we've been to because we were living near there in um, Mauritius years ago. But yeah, then, then we think that uh, Lehi went along the west coast of Africa over to America. So but what I really like about this is it points out that anciently the, the people from the Oman area, Salala, were traveling along these trade routes. So it would make sense for Lehi to also follow those same trade routes. Sure. Now, the difference is Le Nephi said that he didn't build the ship according to the manner of, of men, which means that he had to know how, how normal ships were being built in order to build them differently. And if you notice, all these trade routes pretty much followed along coasts. That's a different kind of ship than you would need for a transatlantic um, voyage. So it does make sense that, that Nephi would have built a different ship. But the point is, all of this is good corroboration for the Book of Mormon, as, as you indicated, Hugh Nipley mentioned long ago. So this was our guide there. I'm just going to quickly show a couple of pictures of it. This is what the port looks like today. Oh, wow. It, it looks almost man-made, but it's yeah. not. It has these two big cliffs on both sides and the, the water coming down. Of course, the water is seasonal because they have a, a monsoon rains in the summer that fill up the wadis up in the mountains and they, they flow out to the sea here. But even at this time of the year, this was in um, March, early March, and it's fairly it's been dry for several months there and there's still this much water. But you, in the bottom left here is some of the archeological ruins of the, um, from the ancient city that was there. But it's an awesome uh, perspective, awesome port. This is the uh, rendering of, of what, actually this is what it looks like today with the, they've restored some of the ruins in the town here. And this is where there was more water than when we visited. Okay. Here's the depiction in the visitor center there of the ancient ships, how they would come in and out of the port. This is an ancient ship they have reconstructed to give an idea of, of what it would, would have looked like back in the day. And then they have a museum of um, ships there as well, the Frankincense Museum in Salala, where they show some of these ancient ships like that one and that one. So anyway, oh, this is the wadi up in the mountains. Even, even as dry as it is now, there's still waterfalls and water flowing into these things. And this is what feeds the, the port down in um, Salala. And this is a view I took from up way up on top of the mountain, looking down in the valley there. So it's pretty impressive as a port. And, and that's one of the reasons why this city was built there anciently because it, the land was so fertile and they had an abundance of water all year round. And even today, there's, there's lots of camels and things in there. In fact, on the road, we had to stop for a camel crossing. Hundreds of camels crossed the freeway every day in the morning and afternoon 
as they go to their pastures. <laughs> They're like cattle, really, but I didn't put that picture in here. We could talk about that another time, maybe, but you know, I just wanted to show you this to give you a feel for what it looks like over there with the this amazing port and why it does make sense for us. Now, the archaeologists will say that the earliest evidence of human habitation here is around 300 BC. And of course, Lehigh was more like 600 BC, 590 BC, something like that. And so, you know, there's a gap of a few hundred years there. But according to Nephi's account, they left anyway. So you wouldn't really expect to be much evidence of them having right. been there. Yeah. Okay. Apparently, there were some LDS, um, I, I would say, amateur archaeologists who early on believed that they had found a temple of Solomon or something down here. Okay. And, and the archaeologists, the more modern archaeologists, have dated it much past Book of Mormon times, you know. So, but anyway, I, I really like to, to, to be there, get a feel for it, see what it's like, and, and see how it corresponds to uh, at least how I interpret the Book of Mormon and how it makes sense. Well, um, I, just, I just wanted to um, maybe hop out a screen share for just a minute here. Yeah, um, sure. So, you know, there's a description of um, having the materials available to them, whether mm -hmm. it was the timber, also they were able to mine. Um, are those things present? Um, oh, yeah, sure. Present in the record? Yeah, in fact, that's why this they were building ships here. Like that's I, I should have explained that when right. I was at the shipbuilding museum, those ships were all built right here. And so everything they needed to build ships was abundantly present in this area of Oman around Salala. Now up here in the picture I took of, of the mountains with you can see some of the trees mm -hmm. a little bit. There's a type of tree there that is only found in Oman as well as in um, the island off of Yemen, which I um, forgot the name of. But there are these big, huge uh, trees that are they're real solid and, and hard. And they used to be more abundant than they are now because people cut them down to build uh, houses with. But up in the mountains, there's lots of wood and it would float down the rivers to the, to the port. So, I mean, it was, fairly simple for them. And that's why this is such a shipbuilding place. So you could say that perhaps when Lehigh and company arrived there, it's maybe virgin territory. They're the first to maybe exploit the resources. Well, that's one of the debates. And the some of the, the people who prefer the other one, the smaller site, the closer to Yemen along the coast, think that it was only Lehi's family that was there, that Nephi physically himself built this whole boat, maybe with the aid of his brothers. And I don't interpret it that way. I interpret it that they came to a place that was fertile, abundant. There was honey growing or honey being produced. It, it takes a long time to produce honey if you're starting from scratch. But if you come to a place where it's already abundant, then you can harvest it and you can buy it from the local people and so on. And so when I read the Book of Mormon, the narrative to me reads as though they came to a place that had already been settled, was, was being productive. Now, again, there's that 300-year gap between um, what the archaeologists say today, but there's lots of reasons why people may have abandoned the site after Lehi left, drought being the, the primary one. But just because this was a shipbuilding place and a big, a major port, we saw how many places people traveled on the frankincense thing. Makes sense to me that this is a site. Mm. But what's really fascinating is it wasn't discovered till 1885, so there was no knowledge of it in Joseph Smith's day. Yeah, yeah, and 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 there is enough in the Book of Mormon that 
would give some credence to this being a possible launching site for them. Yeah. Um, so what was it like when you first got there and just saw, actually got to physically see this area? What, what, yeah. what was your feeling? That's a good point, a good question, because I've, you know, I've researched it before. I'd read the books, you know, in search of Lehigh's Trail, and there's some videos on it and so on. But it's never the same watching it on a video or reading a book as being there. So when we got there, obviously today is there's more modern um, civilization around Salala and that area. But this ancient port has never been reoccupied. It's, it's an archaeological preserve. And so it's, it's kept the way it has been for couple thousand years and, and I always I've always enjoyed walking around on ancient locations whether it's in in Greece or the Midwestern United States or Guatemala wherever I go I like kind of getting a feel for what it was it would have been like to live there and here because it was the dry part of the year I thought well this doesn't look all that <laughs> that bountiful right but in Salala, where they are continuing to do irrigation and, and use wells, it's, it's lush and green. It looks like Hawaii. And they grow coconuts and, and all kinds of crops there. They have markets all over. And so you can see how if people were still living in, in this Kororori area where they were pumping water out of wells and using irrigation, they could still grow all kinds of crops there. So it was, but I, mean, I could talk for a long time about this part of Oman because up in the mountains, it was very interesting how, how the caravans from the uh, frankincense trade would, would enter the area and then come down in the valley. All that stuff is, uh, it's, it's a long history. There's a frankincense museum there that explains all this stuff. Very interesting. What, what would you say is the consensus um, view of where most people whether you're Mesoamerica, Heartlander, um, what, yeah. what's the general consensus of, is this the, is this the place or, 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 other, or the other location is favored by others? Uh, where, where are we on that? On that? You know, I, I'd say it's about 50-50 between okay. this one and the, the one closer to Yemen. Got it. The Core Carfort. The problem with Core Carfort is it's almost inaccessible. It's really only accessible by boat. Oh. Because it, it's a real narrow wadi that goes up this canyon, and, mm -hmm. and you can hike down it from the road, but it's a long trip through a dry wadi, or you can approach it by boat. And the people who go there now, the archaeology team that was there about a month ago, they accessed it by boat. Oh. And so, you know, if you think Lehigh was coming from the desert, he, he wasn't going to approach it by boat, right? right. <laughs> so... I don't know. I, and, and it's one of these things, it's the multiple working hypotheses again, right. where there's lots of alternatives. I, I know another guy who thinks that the land bountiful was more up by Dubai, one of the Emirates up there. And um, I, I visited that one too. It's, it's kind of south, southeast of Dubai on the other coast. I've gone scuba diving there. And and, and there's a plausible explanation that that could be the one too. But I think this one down by um, Salala, it makes more sense. So do you have any more slides you wanna share? Uh, well, I do on uh, one other little topic here related to this, because I think, um, I think you'll find it quite interesting if I can get this to work right, let's see. Well, first let me share the slide. And then, I'm trying to advance the slide here. There it is. This is a, a little bit of an unrelated topic, but I think it's it's related. And this is called the Abrahamic 
family center. It's in um, Abu Dhabi. And there's three buildings here you can see, and it's under construction right now. I'll show you that picture in a minute. But one represents Islam, one represents Judaism, and one represents Christianity. Really? Yeah, and they're building this site as a, um, as a way to represent the people of the book, really. Wow. And, you know, it's incredible to think that this is being built in Abu Dhabi, one of the United Arab Emirates. And, and what made this happen were the Abraham Accords that were entered a couple of years ago mm -hmm. with uh, recognition of Israel. They've had the Pope here. They've had the president of Israel, different people to kind of inaugurate it. And it's, it's really an exciting, promising development, I think, for peace in the world, yeah. especially among religions. And by the way, and if you look at this picture in the upper left, from our point of view, there's a dome looking structure. Yeah. That's the Louvre. They, they have, uh, they made an agreement with the Louvre in Paris to open a Louvre in Abu Dhabi. And they share exhibits and um, there was some phenomenal artwork there. Wow, when is this I've, I've blogged about that a little bit, but when, go when, ahead. When, when did they expect this to be built? Well, okay, here's the, here's what it looks like right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's under construction actively right now, and it'll be completed. I think they said they hope to have it completed later this year. Wow, that's astonishing. That I'm, I'm not familiar with this project. I, I find this kind of stuff very interesting to see kind of the inter intersection of different groups. It does make you hopeful. You know, there is like a positive thing about the Quran where it talks about people of the book. And mm -hmm. I sometimes wish that Islam would maybe focus more on that than well and, and it is more and more it, at least but, in the united arab emirates it is good glad to hear that and i i wanted to to let your viewers know about this because it's the kind of thing we all i think can support and be enthusiastic about and and talk about it because it it's it's kind of the promise for the future and i see this as not only representing people of the book but we could have something similar with Christianity itself, right? Yeah. We could have, let's say, Mormon and Catholic and Protestant, evangelical, all the different groups come together and, and if not physically, intellectually in a site like this where we can find harmony with each other. Hmm. Hmm. That's great. I love it. Yeah, maybe one day the Museum of the Bible in Washington, D.C. will do an ex exhibit on the Book of Mormon. That would be kind of cool. <laughs> I don't know if I have I told you about my plans for that. Please tell me. <laughs> okay. So I, I have this Museum of the, of the Book of Mormon, yeah. right? The webpage. And it started off as to be a museum. And I have the architectural drawings and, and the budget and the whole thing. And then, and, and we were going to open a pilot one in Palmyra, right at, right next to the Grandin bookstore. And I have a, I have a 3D walkthrough of it where you see all the exhibits and everything. Uh -huh. and, and I was, I, I had everything ready to go when we came back from China and then COVID hit. Yeah, and it shut everything down. We couldn't open the museum. We couldn't even get people to work. We could do nothing. And so I had to put it on hold. But prior to that, I'd gone to the Museum of the Bible in New York. And there's, and I was locating a site that we could open a museum of the Book of Mormon right next to it. And I found, <laughs> I found a location. I, I mean, I'm telling you more than I've told other people, as, as people often do on your show, right? Right. And, and, and so the only problem with the site was it had a fairly low ceiling and we wanted to bring the Phoenicia in there. Uh -huh. The Phoenicia ship, you know, yep. 
And so uh, it wasn't going to work, but I was looking for other sites right in that same area. And then again, you know, the, the COVID thing kind of put an end to all that. But there still are some plans underway that I, I can't talk about right now, but I will as things develop, if something does develop there. That is really cool. That Phoenician boat is actually the boat that Boyd Tuttle uh, went on. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, so, and he actually, so this is what I like about you and Boyd is that you guys don't just, uh, you're, you're not doing the armchair thing. You're actually getting right. out there, getting your hands dirty oh, and, yeah. and, and, and engaging the actual world yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and the sites, which I think uh, is a real credit to both you and Boyd. Um, I think sometimes scholars, they just spend too much time reading each other's papers and critiquing. And I, I... <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm, I'm a total field guy. I love being yeah. out there and I like seeing the stuff for myself. And I talk to archaeologists and geologists that have nothing to do with LDS, you know, and a lot of the stuff that I've never published is that kind of work, that, that non, what do I call it? Extrinsic evidence type work. Sure. Well, I, I do have a question for you. So we, you yeah. have a, a general idea now that you think you've lo located the, the likely launching off point for Lehi's party to the new world. You believe right. that they went around the Horn of Africa and made their mm -hmm. way. And of course, Boyd was on that Phoenician boat. And they mm -hmm. say that it, the currents naturally will take you towards the Americas. Right. Do you have a location? Generally speaking, the partlanders believe that uh, Lehi's party and Nephi and everybody, they landed in the panhandle of Florida. Right. Do you have a general idea where, do you have a spot in the panhandle you think they landed at? Yeah, well, actually, no, I, I would say there's a range. Okay. There's not a, a particular landing site because, you know, that you know the coastline in Florida pretty well, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and it's all pine trees up in the panhandle along there. And there's some sandy areas and there's, but that shifts over 2000 years. So I don't think it's, I think wherever they landed probably doesn't even exist right now. Got it. It's either been flooded or eroded or something. Right. But the general area, I do think, and I think it was along the river that comes down there, the, um, comes out into the Gulf of Mexico. And I'm trying to remember the name. It's the, uh, I can't remember the name of the river. I can't the Swanee? There's, no, well, you got well, the Swanee River. Some people think that one. Okay. The other one is the, uh, anyway, I can't remember the right. name of it, but it's in the panhandle coming down from Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So interesting stuff. You know, I, yeah. I'd love to, you know, there are some, I, I drove by, I was heading to Tallahassee this summer and I drove by a park that has a mound. And I thought, oh, that's Oh yeah. There's tons of them. In yeah. There. Yeah. And so a lot of people think that the Hopewell culture, you know, kind of right. sprung forth from that. And that's where the that's idea right. is, is that, that, that those would, the ne would be the Nephites and that's the landing spot. So, uh, well, what, one of the earliest sites is before we go to that, one of the earliest sites is just North of Tampa. I think it's called yes. Crystal River. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's one of the very earliest. So that's another possible place. It's not in the panhandle, but it's so anywhere along that, that Gulf coast makes sense. Is a possible place. Um, J Jonathan, well, first of all, I just want to, you know, folks, this is uh, his uh, latest book that he wrote, um, Infinite Goodness, uh, Joseph Smith, mm -hmm. uh, Jonathan Edwards, and the Book of Mormon. Um, that's definitely getting attention. Uh, people are definitely interested in your work. I want to thank you for doing that. So I'm going to leave a link in the descriptions for those of you who'd like to purchase the book. Uh, Jonathan, do you have any final words for my audience? Well, I just think I I'm excited that you're interested in all these topics. And I, I really love the way you approach all these things because you just let people explain how, what they think about stuff. And we're not trying to convince anybody of anything. We're just saying, here's why I believe what I do and why I believe it. And I'm interested in all your guests. I mean, every one of your videos has been interesting. 
and um, I'm happy to be on. I'm, I'm right now. I'm in New York. I'm not even in uh, in Oregon or Utah. <laughs> so We're in the right time zone. It's good. Yeah, right time zone. And um, I, I just bring that up because I like to see things for myself, and I've spent a lot of time in Western New York as well. So. We, yeah. we could talk about some other time. Sure. Well, why don't you preview what our next segment is going to be talking about? Okay. Well, we're going to do a segment on, some people may recognize these. The Kinderhook Plates. The Kinderhook Plates. Oh. So we're going to do a little segment on the Kinderhook Plates, um, which I think people will find very interesting. It's very exciting. By the way, I have, to, I have to say, these are not the actual ones. This is a replica. But this is the replica of the exact size. You can see how big they were yep. and the number and some of the engravings on them. So it's yeah, going to be fun. Great. Yeah, I think this will okay. be an interesting episode. So folks, I want to uh, just thank you all for uh, tuning in today. I just want to remind my audience to uh, like and subscribe. Uh, also, for those of you who uh, we do have the Patreon page, for those who would like to make a financial contributions to the channel, we have it in denominations of $5, 10 and $15. And I want to thank you, thank all my pa current patrons uh, for supporting this channel. Also, just want to remind you that we are on, on some of the major podcast formats. Uh, we're, Anthony's getting caught up. We're trying to get everything uploaded. We're still learning this podcast thing, but I'm getting a lot of uploads. Uh, so thank you to my people who are listening to this as well. So either way, uh, Jonathan, thanks for coming on. Thanks. Thanks for letting me be on and I'll see you again. All right. And you all have yourself okay. a great day. Let me. Uh, all right. Okay. So. Oh, folks, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm uh, blanking out here. So hold on. <clears throat> uh, why am I having trouble? This is us. Okay, folks, this is this is going to be airing tonight. And this is just one of those little things that happens in videos. <laughs> and uh, I'm trying to end the recording. And folks, uh, no, this is very strange. Why am I it's not okay, hold, on, hold on, hold on. There we go.